From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody. Welcome to episode 41, What's Wrong with Revenue? Today, we're going to be talking about, you might not be looking at your technology as an enabler and a growth multiplier. So we're going to spend a lot of time digging into how technology can help companies grow. Eric, glad to have you on the show. <laughs> we had a rowdy uh, experience uh, last couple of days. So like I was saying before the show started, I got a little coffee and some water here to get me through the show today. I'm sure you're feeling the same, but a good time was had by all for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, excited to uh, return to our regular rhythm of what's wrong with revenue. Right. Uh, for everyone who follows the show, remember you can catch it on YouTube. We post all our shows to the Square Two Marketing YouTube channel. You can like us, you can subscribe, you can leave a comment there. We keep an eye on it regularly. If you're more familiar or comfortable with podcasting, the show is on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Apple, Stitcher, Podbean, and such. And we have a free streaming service at square2marketing.com called Square2 Plus. You can find it at our website and then uh, Square2 PLUS, and you'll get free access to all of our audio and video content there. It looks just like Netflix. Check it out. We have a channel for CEOs, CROs, CMOs, and even technology people. All of our audio and video content is hosted there, including webinars and these shows that we're going to have today. If you like the show, you can go to What's Wrong with Revenue. It's the bottom. Uh, it's at the bottom of the Square Two Marketing website. There's a link. You can click on it. You can subscribe to the show and get notifications when new shows are ready. You can ask questions like the questions we'll handle today, and you can have it on your schedules. You can join Eric and me every single Friday at four o'clock, even when we're tired and hungover. So let's get started today. We're going to talk about technology as a growth multiplier. A lot of people purchase CRMs for the sales team and marketing automation for their marketing departments, and even some customer service software to handle tickets and service requests and those kinds of things. But a lot of people don't really look at this as the backbone of their revenue generation efforts. And that's what we want to help you guys feel a little, think a little differently about how technology can really help you grow today. And we're going to give you some examples and we're going to talk about some specifics related to these three areas and how technology can really be a growth multiplier as opposed to just something that you buy to handle requests and send emails. We're going to talk a little bit about how you understand what kind of goals you should be looking at after the purchase. This is big. We get a lot of people who buy the product and come to us and like, well, I haven't really seen any impact from the product. So let's talk about what you might be should be expecting when you go in to make a purchase like this. We'll also talk about how cross-departmental buy-in is really important when you're looking at a tech stack like this. 
We'll also dig into how marketing, sales, and customer service needs to work together on a single platform. We'll also spend a little bit of time talking about options for platform. We're not really here to sell a particular product, but we'll talk about some of the ones that are available to you. You guys can decide which one you like the best and some challenges companies typically face when they're tackling something like this. So, Eric, I was thinking about the show today and I realized that many, many, many people come to us with the problem of growth. They don't have enough leads. They don't have consistent revenue. Their companies haven't really grown as fast or as much as they thought they would. But they don't really ever consider the technology as a component of that growth. So how would you help someone understand how important the technology is and what role does it play in trying to get them to some of their revenue and growth goals? Well, I think the answer comes down to two specific areas, scaling and automating. What a lot of people are trying to grow their business quickly, well, the first move might be that they have to generate more leads. And we've talked about that on 40 plus episodes already. And that's great. But at a certain point, either the leadership or the sales team, whoever's handling those opportunities runs out of time. It's only so many hours in the day. Technology enables you to scale and automate. So what do I mean by that? Well, the number one obvious one is scaling. Um, if the sales rep was able to manage 20 deals manually, they could easily manage 40 deals using a CRM that automates a lot of things, which means they can handle more for the same salary that they're being paid today. So that's a good thing that I can handle more without any more resources. But the second thing is automation. So if you came to my website and you downloaded my piece of content and you want to do business with my company, I would love to follow up with you and start a relationship and give you lots of content to not only get you thinking differently, but also understanding that my firm is the obvious choice to do business with. Well, setting up a simple thing like a nurture through the technology enables us to automate a lot of these tasks where I can't remember every single day to follow up with every single person I've talked to in the last two months. So if you think about it from a scaling and then an automation point of view, now the same team of two or three salespeople can do the job of six just by the investment of a couple hundred dollars a month for a software platform. Now that's a big factor that a lot of people don't consider when understanding how can I grow my business without spending too much money. I had a call earlier today and the gentleman saw us speak at an at a entrepreneur conference and said, wow, I would love to implement every single thing that you talked about, but I don't have the budget. Well, that's actually not true because you don't need a lot of budget to do smart strategic things to grow your business, like get a $300 a month subscription to HubSpot. And that's my point about people think that the only way to get involved in the uh, uh, marketing game is to do advertising for 10, 20, $30,000 a month. When really, if they're very strategic about how they're going about it, you could actually do more with less. Yeah, there's so many good points in that uh, opening comment, like um, every single for, for years and years and years, pro, uh, prospects and clients alike would say to us, well, you know, like, I want to grow, I got to hire more sales reps. That's generally been like the move. If, if we can do 10 million with six reps, and we want to do 12, I'm going to get another rep that that generally is the move around growth. And I think a lot of companies have realized that's not the move anymore. To your point, if we can make the reps more efficient and we can make the process more efficient, we can grow without adding more reps. That, that's, I think, one of your points that 
maybe was, uh, you know, not 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 uh, apparent to our, our audience. The other is, you know, there's a lot of talk about recession and, and things that people are starting to get concerned about. It's probably very likely that the the mass hiring that's been going on over the past couple of years could slow down a little bit which means you're not going to be able to hire three new marketing people in the next couple of months. They're going to be more expensive and they're going to be harder to find. Um, the good ones are going to have jobs and the not some good ones are going to be the ones that are on, end up on the market. And again, if we're having this efficiency and scale conversation, you can do a lot more with the people you have now if they have the right tools. And the same thing applies to customer service. Like you don't need to add more people to the customer service team. They just need to be more efficient. They need to have better tools and they still need to create a better experience. Something we have talked about on many, many shows. The best way to really grow the company is to create this amazing experience and by automating it with tools like we're gonna talk about today, it allows you to scale it and, and grow. So I think there's a lot of good takeaways for the for the audience there across the board when it comes to uh, what they're trying to do with these kind of technology platforms. I will make one other comment and then I'll, I'll, I'll we'll move into point two. You're right about whether they can afford it or not, right? First of all, it, just to be like completely transparent, if they're looking at marketing, sales, and customer service, it's probably more like a couple thousand dollars a month for a platform like the ones that we're talking about. But wait a minute, you can get the free CRM and you take can. old fashioned spreadsheets and your old fashioned sales process and put them into a CRM without spending anything, Mike. You can. You're absolutely right. But we're really talking about companies that are aggressively looking to grow and they should be investing in this technology. Like we talked, you, you made a great point on the last show. It's like a machine, right? Like you'd easily buy a machine if it was going to make your, your manufacturing plant that much better. It's the same thing, right? Definitely. You know, look, look at this as an investment and uh, put the money where it belongs. And we've said this a million times too, every single body, every single company who's listening to this or watching the show they have an underperforming sales rep somewhere in that organization who is making a lot more than it costs to invest in the, in this technology. So let the, uh, the worst performing sales rep or the worst performing customer service rep, let them go and rotate that money into this technology platform. And you will be light years ahead of where you were when you were limping along with that underperforming sales rep or customer service rep or even marketing person. Like there's always someone at the bottom of the list at every organization except score two, of course, because we're awesome. But for everybody else, they have that person. I want to talk a little bit about like growth goals, right? And I think this is big too. We get a lot of people, and you can comment on this, we get a lot of people who come to us who have the technology, specifically HubSpot, or they have Salesforce, or they have some other combination of tools that they're using, but they're still not growing. So there's something going on there as well that I'd like to dig into a little bit. And you do a lot of investigation around this with prospects at Square Two. So what do you think is going on there? They have the tools and they're trying to use them, but they're still not growing. There's something wrong with their, their puzzle. They're missing a piece or two. Uh, talk to the audience a little bit about what you think that missing puzzle piece might be. Yeah, just it's a great point. Just because you have technology doesn't mean uh, obviously you're now like, you know, everything's fried in butter. You got to do a little bit work there. The, the first thing I think that people don't do is they don't understand that the technology is simply meant to automate, but also orchestrate everything that's going on. So 
you have to first start with your current business practices, map those and apply the technology to that. Okay, that's pretty straightforward, right? We have a two-step sales process. Uh, people call us and then we, we give them a quote. That's perfectly fine, perfectly valid and perfectly accurate, right? So in your CRM now as a perfect example, you wanna set it up that people that have asked to talk to you are in one column and the people that you've talked to are in the next column. And then those people all got quotes because that's your process. And then maybe the third column is follow up and the fourth one is either close loss or close one. That's perfectly fine. But remember the technology is only the tool, the strategy behind how you're closing deals, whether you have the technology or not is way more important. So if I look at the sales process and I say, well, we're only closing 7% of all the deals that we spray out all these proposals to, well, wait a minute, something must be wrong. Okay, well, maybe it's the sales process and that's where strategy comes in. And then we wanna alter the technology to then track our new strategy. We just internally at Square Two, remember uh, we had a revelation about a year ago. We were like, well, wait a minute, if we just summarize what we're suggesting to do for clients and then send it to them in a very simple format and ask them to look at it before we did the actual recommendation. We got all sorts of great feedback and tweaks to the program and things that we didn't think about because we, we gave them this little insight into what we were proposing. So immediately, once we realized that this should be part of our SOP, standard operating procedure in the sales process, then immediately I went to the CRM. I made a new column socialization right let them socialize the program and get back to us with feedback now it's an extra step so it's not so much about the technology driving the strategy but more the other way around the strategy drives the technology yeah it's such a good point uh i used to be in the software space before square two i know this is 20 years ago but you know uh a lot it, it was different when you bought enterprise software because it was such a big investment it was on premise you had to buy hardware um, you know, IT people had to be involved and very, very frequently those big software projects failed because it's not just about the software. It's about the people who are executing your sales process and your marketing campaigns. It's about the processes you have in place and generally successful software projects require people process and the tool to all be working perfectly and for everyone to be on the same page. So, that sometimes I think gets lost now in the uh, era of SaaS technology because it's so easy to buy, it's so easy to turn on. Like literally, you, you, HubSpot, you put your credit card in and it's working five minutes later. Like you literally, there's no installation. Like you do have to configure it, of course, but um, it is like so easy to buy that people forget that there's process and people involved in making this work uh, correctly. So don't forget that. that. That's something that I think a lot of the clients we end up working with neglected to think about when they said, yes, we're going to buy some software to help us with this. They didn't realize that people have to be dedicated to it and process needs to be in place before, you know, we start configuring something. You know, when we start helping clients with the CRM, we're asking them, what's your sales process? If they don't have one or it's not great, no CRM is going to help them. So that process piece of it has to be thought out either right before we configure the software or as we're configuring it uh, hands down every single time. So it's possible that those things could be missing. Um, also, the software is going to start shining a light on parts of your business that perhaps never had a light shown on it before. Like Eric was talking about the close rate on the sales process. When you start to see 
data that says, you know, we're getting leads and they're going through the system, but they're not turning into business. Like you might've instinctively known that was a problem before, but now you can see it across the board in a, you know, quantitative uh, state. This is our close rate for the company. Oh, wait, here's Eric's close rate. Here's Craig's close rate. Here's Mike's close rate. Here's Kristen's close rate. Like I can really see like who's closing and who's not. And I can do something about that. So that information is brand new information that should also help you take action. And we see this very frequently. The close rate is an obvious data point that doesn't require a lot of analysis, but there are gonna be many other data points uncovered by this technology that might require someone in the organization to dig around a little bit and think about what this data is telling us. We often talk about the dashboards are not the end game. The data is not the end game. It's what the data is telling you. We typically refer to it as the insights but someone has to be able to pull those insights out and then decide what the company should do about it. And that's a step that's missing very, very, very frequently. We get a lot of clients on these products who are like, look at my dashboards. We're like, oh yeah, those are great. Like, what do you think it's telling you? I don't know, like uh, things aren't good. You know, like that's not gonna get it done. You need someone who can really uncover those insights and use it to drive an action plan. And that's often hard to hire for, hard to acquire, you know, you're talking about at our company, people that have been doing this for over 10 years or longer in some cases, they know exactly what they're looking for and exactly what it's telling you. Sometimes we find that uh, piece of the puzzle missing at some of the companies we work with. Anything you want to add, Eric? No, no, you're, 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 that is a big missing piece. Okay, great. Uh, you know, maybe one other quick point. Sure. You know, close rate is typically the number one metric, but you know, if you're talking about a buyer's journey and you're talking about scaling, then, then all the little touch points along the sales process have to be measured as well. How many people went to your website, filled out the form that said, I'd like to talk to someone and then never booked a call? You know, that kind of is important if you think about it, because it's filling the top of the funnel. And if 20% of the people are not booking a call, that should be blinking red. Well, why wouldn't they book a call? They went through the, all the effort of giving you their information. What does the communication look like? Is it easy to book a call? Is there an automated tool? How do I know the calendars? Are the hours offered something that is good for West Coast and East Coast? What if I live in Australia? Like all of these things can be analyzed based on that blinking red light that 20% of the uh, time a call isn't even booked and you don't even get a chance to talk to the people. Maybe it's a speed thing in your business. Maybe there's the, uh, the, the uh, typical scenario where the first one or two people that reach the prospective client get the deal. Well, uh, are you just saying book a call whenever or do you uh, have someone physically email them as soon as they convert with a personal email and that'll amp up your uh, results? I, I don't know, but I'm saying it warrants taking a look at all the, the data points along the buyer's journey, not just the big close rate one. It's such a good example. We should talk about it a little more because you know, when we're talking about this technology platform, I mean, we used to do this too. We used to send people a couple of dates. Hey, here's when I can meet with you. Pick one of the three, right? Like, oh, I can't meet any of those times. Okay, now I'll send you a couple more. Oh, wait a minute. How about this? Like, now you're going back and forth via email with someone. And that's really not a great experience. Today, we serve up a calendar and they can pick their own time, exactly what meets them. They just look at what's available, pick it, and, and we're ready to go. We're going to meet with them. Like, it's totally on them. Uh, and we're making it as convenient as possible. But to your point, 
if they look at a calendar and there are no times available, like I think we noticed this with you a couple months ago, you were so busy that the calendar, like I couldn't meet with you for like uh, a week and a half. We're like, okay, well, this isn't good. We need to put two calendars in there with two people so that they have another option in case they can't, you know, your, your calendar is not, your uh, schedule is, is not as available as we want to. So you really have to look at that experience and what the technology experience is from the other side of, of the perspective, the prospect side or the customer's side of the perspective. You really have to dig into that when you're installing a system like this. And one of the points I wanted to bring up here is how marketing sales and customer service need to work together on this platform. And I hate to be a broken record and you already mentioned it, but the buyer journey and the, the experience that these people are having with you, it's its the holy grail of this entire approach. You really can't start automating things. You really can't start installing and configuring these software tools unless you know exactly what you want that experience to be. If your experience is great now, then you can install it in the tools. But I think it's more likely what you'll find is it could be better. And, and identifying those places where it can be better and making those changes and installing it in the software is going to help everybody deliver a better experience to, to prospects and customers. You know, when stuff is automated and there's a process and the software supports it, people start following the rules and doing what the software tells them to do. Even in HubSpot, you can automate task notifications and literally like tell people what to do next. Okay, you clicked on this button. Here's the next three things you have to do. It pops up. You do it. You check them off. Okay, now you have to do this. Send this. Like it becomes, I'm not going to say foolproof because I don't think anything is foolproof from a marketing and a sales perspective, but certainly going to make it easier for people to do what you're asking them to do. And at Eric's original point, certainly going to be more efficient. Uh, you're certainly going to do more with less people, and you're certainly going to have a better chance of having that experience be consistent across every single person that you're talking to. Great. So let's talk a little bit about some of the options. I don't want to spend more than a couple minutes on this because I don't want to feel like we're pushing any particular type of software here, but you do have options when it comes to these platforms. Yes, we're HubSpot fans, but Salesforce has a cloud product that supports all three parts of the business, uh, marketing, sales, and customer service. Uh, Zendesk, while they really started in, in uh, service, now have a, a sales CRM product. So they're kind of moving towards this platform approach also. Active Campaign is another company that might be a bit of an up and comer from a platform perspective. Uh, Zoho does a pretty good job at the smaller business side of the market. They also have, you know, all three areas of the business covered. So you really could, could, you probably won't go wrong with any of these, depending on, you know, how you feel about them and what your price point is. Uh, I think it's a much better approach to look at products like this than it is to piece products together, which we also see frequently, like, oh, I use HubSpot for this and Salesforce for this and Zendesk for that, and I've got it covered, but you have these three disparate products that we're doing our best to connect them and the data is moving back and forth, but I just don't think that's the kind of configuration I would want if it was my company and I was starting from scratch with it or trying to implement best practices. I think you're going to be much better off to pick a platform and stick with these products inside the platform and try to piece them together. 
Um, so that was a, a couple of considerations for people that might be looking for some specific ideas around what platforms they want to think about. Yeah, my advice there, and I've said it to so many different people is pick one, right? And lean into it, like use all the modules and get it all set up the right way. You want Zoho? Great. Zoho is great. But Zoho is not great if you're only using 10% of it. Any software product that's not being leveraged is inefficient and you're wasting money. Now, HubSpot happens to be the most comprehensive and intuitive, whatever you want to classify, and that's why we like it so much. But those other tools are just as effective if you're using them religiously. Now, sometimes you may need some customization, right? And that's a big challenge for people. So when you don't have a flexible tool, a great example of that is I was talking to someone who had an industry uh, insurance industry-specific CRM that literally would not allow you to connect to any other tools. So that's dumb, right? We need all the data that we could possibly get. And that might mean sharing with other tools. So by them uh, fencing out their uh, software, they're just hurting their customers. So like, don't pick those. But any of the uh, household brands that Mike mentioned are, are good brands. It's just that you got to use them. Yeah, I also think, um, and then we'll hop into questions in a minute here. I also think there's another common mistake that we see lots of times, and that is the companies just are trying to get this going on their own. And I think no matter what product you pick, there are a set of agencies and consultants and companies that can help you with these products, get them installed faster, get them configured properly, introduce you the, the concept of this process that we've been talking about that needs to overlay these technology tools, Take a look at the data that's coming out of them, making sure the right data is going into them, making and even introduce you to the insights, you know, potentially like, you know, dashboards are great and they can help you build them, but they probably can also say, hey, look what we noticed here. Something looks funny in your data. Like, I think there's an opportunity for you guys to make some improvements in this area and, and help you grow faster. So I would highly encourage companies, no matter what product you pick, there's an ecosystem that goes with all of them. There's HubSpot agencies, there's Salesforce agencies, there's Zoho consultants, there's active campaign agencies. No matter what you're picking, there's Zendesk partners. No matter what you're picking, I'm going to highly, highly, highly suggest you consider getting some help with these projects. Again, they're so easy to buy and turn on that I think a lot of companies feel like, I can handle this. It took me two minutes to buy it. I'm going to start using it. You know, that might be a bit of a oversimplification. Um, the software companies probably are most concerned with you buying it. I mean, yes, they want you to get value, but they want to make that initial sale. So they might not recommend you bring a consultant in to help you with the implementation and optimization process. But I think that would be smart business um, for you to get some help to really make sure that this gets installed properly and that you're using it uh, to its full value. Great, let's do some questions. As always, we have a nice collection of questions submitted through our website, What's Wrong With Revenue? So here we go, Eric. This is from Donna in Santa Fe, New Mexico. What might some business signals be that we need to reevaluate the sales and marketing software we're using? So like, what might Donna be seeing in her business that could indicate she needs to consider a platform instead of maybe what they've been doing? Well, I hope her question is manual versus uh, implementing software. Is that what you think? That you well, I guess it might be like, what what would she be seeing in the business oh, that okay. might point towards, hey, we should really consider 
to your point, getting off this industry system and onto something a little more robust and connected to the rest of the business. Yeah, I mean, I think the highest level would be lack of sales, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling that uh, my salespeople are performing at their highest. I pay them $80,000 base plus commissions and they're not closing enough deals. What could be the problem there? Uh, it could be things like um, I'm not uh, generating enough uh, activity at my website to then feed my salespeople, right? So we talked a lot about CRM, but the technology tools are obviously good for marketing, customer service, and sales. So I guess any leading indicator in any area that's blinking red, I guess you'd have to compute that manually if you didn't have software, or maybe the blinking light is I can't get any data out of my marketing sales and customer service and I'm flying blindly. What software can I use to implement to get some of that data that I need? But I mean, it, it's such a general question because if you are having that, those little hairs on the back of your neck stand up, like something's not working right, well, then that could be a time to look at using a piece of software to automate that. Um, a, a good example for our company, uh, it, it's 2022, people don't really mail checks anymore. I would honestly admit that we were behind the time a bit, uh, that we were just like waiting for checks in the mail so we could put them in the bank for our clients to pay their bills. And the little hairs on the back of my neck were standing up like this doesn't seem right. Like we should be faster in collections. We should be faster. Let's figure this out. Well, we went to some QuickBooks Online enhanced uh, tools. We um, uh, pivoted to ACH transfers. We had credit card uh, opportunities. We had extended terms financing that all like help us revamp that system to increase our accounts receivable days, which was the metric that was getting a little out of hand. So I guess it's any business problem that, that like doesn't feel like it's working right. And then you start to like dig into it. Oh, will a piece of technology help me solve this problem? In today's market, the answer is yes, way more than it is no, that technology could be a, a little bit of an aid to get better results. Yeah, I think um, to answer Donna's question, you know, uh, Every company does have some data, right? But I think if your answer is a lot of the time, well, we don't know. So like, okay, you know how many, you know how much business each rep sold every month, right? I don't think many organizations don't have that kind of insight. And maybe you know how close they were to their quota because that's like A and one A for every single sales organization. You know, but if you're like, well, who's the best closer? Oh, we don't know. Oh, who whose uh, sales cycle is the shortest? I don't know. Uh, I think anytime you're, anytime the organization is asking questions about its performance and the answer is I don't know, that would be a pretty good signal that you might want to look at at getting access to some better data, which would point towards these kinds of systems. And you could apply that in all three areas that we've been talking about today, like. You know, if you don't know who's coming to your website, if you don't know how many people are wanting to chat with you, if you don't know how many people are converting on your forms or um, or if, if you don't know what your your uh, bounce rate is, I don't know, like I could go at this all oh, day. Also, right? like, it could be bigger macro things like which industries do we close more deals in? Right. Right. Uh, right. Which uh, kinds of prospects close easier and faster? Right. Yeah. I mean, those are all good questions. And on the service side, you know. What clients need the most service? What types of clients need the most service? That might be an indicator that there's something that you can do. How long are my service reps spending with people that call in? You know, like 
what resources do they have uh, so that they can make that experience better? Like if, if, if you can't answer those questions, I think you need to look at some kind of platform like this, Donna. So I think that's a really great place to start because these products that we've been talking about are definitely going to help you answer those questions. And then when you can answer those questions, a whole bunch of other lights are going to go off that will allow you to work on things that will really be impactful for the business. They always do. One thing leads to another. Activity breeds activity, Mike. Yes, like peeling back the onion. We can just go meta metaphor after metaphor on this thing. Bird in hands, we're two in the bush. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, here's a question from Beth in Pensacola, Florida. We're using a collection of tools uh, for our marketing, and it seems okay, but after listening to you, I'm reconsidering it. Do you see this situation often? This is a softball for you, buddy. Go ahead. Often? That's not even the word. It's daily. And I, and I don't think it's a mistake because people are trying to put together a technology stack that is going to help them get better results. So you get credit for that. But you didn't have all-in-one platforms, but eight, nine years ago, right? So anybody that's on constant contact for their email marketing and uh, WordPress for their content management system, and they got Hootsuite that's managing their social, they're doing a good job. The problem is it's not one plus one plus one equals th uh, four, I guess, right? If marketing, sales, and customer service. If you had one platform, man, the efficiencies that come with that, the overlay, the um, you know, the uh, insights that you get crossing over. Gosh, uh, you know, the people that we sell in the software industry buy twice as many of our widgets after they bought the first one is only a uh, insight that you could get from pulling data from a coordinated database. When you have to pull that kind of data from constant contact, Hootsuite, and WordPress, it's uh, I, I would assume it's next to impossible. So mm -hmm. that's where, you know, it's okay if you have disparate technologies all working together and you stitch them together, but you'd be more so effective if you had an all-in-one platform. Yeah, and to our data conversation, it just keeps coming up. Like it's it's possible to get data out of these systems and, and look at it in like a single place, but it's much more difficult to do that. Um, it's going to be much easier if all the data is in one central database and all your systems are uh, accessing the data the same way. Uh, so that's going to save you money. That's going to save you uh, energy and time. You're not going to have to worry about these integrations that are required to keep these systems talking to each other. So again, no matter what tool you like or decide you want to go with, I think the platform play in 2022 is a better is a better approach. And Eric's right, you know, credit for knowing you need tools. Um, and now it's time to graduate. We graduate clients from this point solution scenario weekly almost into something that's a little more platform oriented and it's a big, it's a big upgrade. So uh, Beth, we see it all the time. It's a very common configuration. And I think it's probably time for you to step up uh, into the big leagues from a platform perspective. Speaking of which, how big a, this is from uh, Emma in Louisville. How big a project is it to switch from one CRM to another? What advice would you give us if we're considering this move? Well, the actual transition from one CRM to another, relatively straightforward, right? Here's the biggest problem, dirty data. You don't want to just start with your brand new CRM if you don't have a strategy about how you're segmenting all of your customers, the process by which you're taking them through in the CRM. So just the physical transfer of one CRM to another, very straightforward. But what we like to always counsel is that 
at the milestone of installing a new CRM, it's a great opportunity to step back, clean some things up, look, uh, look at your process objectively, and then install some enhancements into the new CRM. That sometimes could take a while and some conversations and some noodling, but the actual software to software is pretty straightforward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, look, data comes out of your old system, it gets cleaned up and it goes into your new system. That's not really that big a deal in most cases, but getting the new system kind of set up to replicate what you're currently doing now does take a little bit of energy. You know, you wanna, whoever's helping you, you, you wanna understand the data and why you have it and what you're doing with it. And that will help you kind of reconfigure the new, the new system and get it turned on. I think the biggest lift in a, tran, uh, in a um, migration like this would be, you gotta teach, the whole company a new a new platform and i think that can sometimes be a little intimidating less so on the marketing side we see people kind of moving from one thing to the other and on marketing more frequently when it comes to sales i think a lot of companies are a little intimidated by the idea that i'm gonna have to teach all my reps a whole new system i think some people are a little concerned that that might take them away from selling uh, might distract them from really what you want them to do which is close business but if you did that in a thoughtful way, you could manage that process also. And I have an awesome question here that asks about timelines. So we're going to dig into this in a little more detail. But you just have to be thoughtful. Like we recommend clients run small pilots lots of times where they might take, you know, a small group of sales reps and introduce the product to them, let them get comfortable with it, get feedback from them before it gets rolled out to everybody. Um, when it does get rolled out to everybody, you have these, these in-house experts who have already been using the product maybe for months or so who can help the new guys, old guys help the new guys. You know, that's something that you can consider too. That works quite well. That's generally our recommendation for clients that have larger sales teams and they are worried about this disruption factor. So there's lots of ways to kind of um, manage the switch without it becoming bur burdensome or causing any kind of performance issue in the company. It just has to be thought out, you know, logically. Plus, I mean, almost every company has some kind of seasonality to it. So pick a time where people are less busy. Like maybe you're going to do it over Christmas. Maybe you're going to do it over the summer if you're a little less busy. You know, maybe there's like conference season in your industry. Don't do it then. Do it at a time where people are like maybe not as running around, not generating a little bit less leads. The business has a bit of a, a beat to it that you can, you know, tackle a project like this and everyone knows they have a little extra time on their hands. So it's a very manageable move, one that I don't think you should be concerned about. I just think it's something that needs to be thought through. All right, I got a question here from Juan in Los Angeles, and I'm going to just answer this really briefly because I feel like we've talked about this a lot. But what's the best way to create a truly remarkable experience for prospects and clients using technology platforms like this? So Juan, again, like I, for the sake of everyone that has heard us talk about this a million times, it all comes down to the buyer journey. You have to map out your prospects and customers buyer journey with your company. And then when that map is done and the uh, touch points have been identified and enhanced, then you bring in the technology. With that map in your hand, you're gonna turn it over to whoever's helping you configure the software and they're gonna make the software match the exact process you want. So it's not a, it's not a challenge at all, but it's gonna take some energy it's going to take some additional investment in mapping that 
prospect buyer journey out. And I don't necessarily mean outside investment. You can do that inside your company with the people who have um, the prospects and customers, the most knowledge about prospects and customers. You can all sit down and map this out relatively quickly, then look at all the touch points, provide the upgrades and you'll be done. So, you know, if you guys have the time internally to do that, you can do it. If not, hire a consultant to help you do it because they'll teach you some things about this process and probably get you through it faster than if you do it on your own. But that comes down to budget. Neither, neither of that should slow you down. If you don't have the budget for that, you can do it yourself. But that's the answer to your question. Create the remarkable process on paper and then get it installed into your technology platform and you'll be, you'll be killing it for sure. Great. Okay, so this is the question I really wanted to get to. This is from Polly in Bismarck, North Dakota. Can you walk us through a typical timeline around installing, configuring, rolling this out, and then seeing growth impacted positively? So, Eric, I want to get your perspective on this, but I want to start by, by resetting Polly's expectations, and I want everyone to listen to this. This is not a project that you're ever finished with. So... Everyone who's thinking this is like a six-month process, you should stop thinking like this. This is something that you're going to want to work on every single day, every single week. This isn't something that you turn on and kick back and be like, I'm done. That's not how you think about this. Once this is installed and you're on a platform like we've been talking about, it's going to need adjustments. Your business is going to change. Your processes are going to change. You know, like if you're doing sales and marketing and even customer service correctly, you should be looking at process upgrades on a reg quarterly basis for sure. And then installing them into your platform. So we can give you a, an idea about how long it might take to install it and configure it and get this going. But I don't want you to think like this is a project that's going to take you a couple of months and you'll be finished. I want to reset your expectations around what is required to do this correctly. And it has to be something that you're working on all the time. This is why we talk about these revenue operations people or these marketing operations people or sales operations people, these new roles that a couple of years ago weren't even in anyone's brain. Now it's common for decent sized marketing team or decent sized revenue teams to have these ops people these operations people have to be keeping an eye on the technology and the process and making adjustments on a regular basis. So, um, Eric, if you want to walk them through like a basic project in terms of how long that might take, that would be great. But don't think you're going to be finished. This is something you got to work on every single week. Yeah. I mean, to your point, it, it never ends and it shouldn't. Same like a website project, right? Oh, we finished our website. Yeah. It's immediately uh, in need of help the second you release it, right? So, you got to do it. So well, the way we look at it at Square 2 is simply a two-part uh, attack. The first one is the implementation. And then the second part is the optimization. So let's go through those. Sometimes you need a big lift to get it implemented. It might take 30 days or so simply to set up the HubSpot software. And that's not the actual setup, setting up of the software. That's the conversations around mapping. What do we want the software to do? And then turning it on. So that's a big lift. You have a couple of people working on that, lots of conversations strategically. Sometimes you need to bring in other folks, for example, like, hey, it would be great if in the sales process, we could send this automated email. Wait, we need a video, bring in the content team. So now we have to finish that implementation, but you get what I'm going for. After that, it's set up. That's really just the beginning. 
then it's ongoing, ongoing, ongoing months of let's look at the data, let's adjust this nurture, let's look at the data, let's do this campaign, let's look at the data, let's tweak this on the website, let's look at the data, let's send out these kinds of reminder emails to our existing customers to get them to cross sell and upsell more products, right? So I think that if you are really looking for a hard and fast timeline, I would do the first 30 days of talking about the strategy, the second 30 days of implementing, the third 30 days of tweaking and, and uh, uh, quality assurance. And then from then on, a good five to 25 hours a month of working on the actual programs, marketing, sales, and customer service, once again, to drive revenue in those areas, the tool you're using being the software platform that you hired. Anything to add to that, Mike? No, I think that's exactly right. I would probably say the same thing. I like the 30-30-30 plan because that's probably... Um, you know, average, some companies can get through it faster. If they're a little smaller, some, it might take longer. And I think in the fourth, fourth month, you're looking at kind of training and rollout. So again, if you have a large sales organization or a large service team, it might take longer to run the pilot program for a month or two, and then start introducing it to people and, you know, support them as needed. Like you're asking them to do different things. It's a change management project at that point. Those are often challenging in organizations. Why do we have to do this? I liked it the old way. Like I, I did great the old way. Why do I have to use this new software? Like some of that probably would have to be managed in that post 90 day period. Um, and in terms of the results, which Polly asked about, like, again, I think you would probably start to see some results in that fourth month if you followed this kind of 30, 30, 30 plan, you would see, you should see some better rep performance for the people that have really leaned into it. You sh should see some better campaign performance if the campaigns are designed properly and getting executed. And you should see some improved efficiency results on the service side too. Again, if those service reps have leaned into the product too, and if clients are having a better, more robust experience getting in touch with you, like uh, a simple chronology of all the different places they've tried to get in touch with you. Maybe it's text message, maybe it's Facebook messenger, maybe it's email or support ticket. You know, if a, if a rep can see all that, they can respond better, more effectively to people who have issues. You're going to start to see better customer service numbers. You know, I think you, you would all start seeing that fairly early post training and rollout. And then Eric's right. You got it. You got to stay on it. You're not done. So, you know, you're going to have to train new people when they come to work there. You're going to have to train new people when they move into those roles. You're going to have to start keep continually look at what the process looks like and what adjustments need to be made and then make it in the software and keep tracking it. So as my, as I said at the beginning of this question, it's never going to end and it shouldn't end. That should be something you're always working on. All right. Cal in the DC wants to know, does IT need to be involved in this purchase, install, or configuration? What do you think about that, Eric? Well, IT likes to watch over, right, specifically from a security issue. So I don't think there's anything wrong with showing them, uh, sorry, if you're in marketing or sales or the revenue team and you're looking to get a new software, there's nothing wrong with running it by them. Um, but the job becomes a lot easier for them because these recognized names like Salesforce, no IT manager saying, wait a minute, I'm going to have to check this out, right? To make to, oh, Salesforce, yeah, that's good. So that's number one is kind of getting their blessing because they are influencers on all purchases, whether it be hardware or software, and we want to bring them in. We're collegial in our efforts here. But now when it comes to the implementation, you don't need them at all. There's no servers to be had. All these all-in-one platforms are in the cloud. You log in and you're good to go. 
So that really takes the burden off of them from a uh, where do this uh, where does the software live and how do we set it up because it's nothing to really do with IT. The only thing that sometimes uh, I think IT gets involved is when you have a relatively large organization and then they manage the website. Like that's a miss a a, a misaligned uh, strategy to have the IT department involved in the website. I don't think there's anything wrong with compliance, that part of your business, watching over what's going on with the website, but that website's gotta be owned by sales and marketing and be able to be nimble and changed. The typical scenario is that, you know, large franchisors don't allow their franchisees to have websites. They have to have one stinking landing page on a website that's controlled by IT. There's no way you could help your franchisees drive revenue if they can't have a website to tell their story, be a central location for all their content, all leadership, and so forth. So I think the days of IT being intimately involved in an impl imp implementation of marketing or sales software is done. Yeah, I think that's correct. And yes, the tools have made it easier, but I, you got to look at it from IT's perspective. Like they have bigger fish to fry also. They're worried about locking down laptops. They're worried about upgrading to the latest version of Outlook. You know, they're worried about security and, and cyber threats that could potentially be, you know, uh, uh, impacting their business. And those are the things they really should be focused on. You know, the, the cloud-based software that we're talking about is already secure enough from most IT organizations perspective, like they don't really need to be involved in this other than to be like, yep, I, I did a little research. They're good. Go ahead. Like to Eric's point, like even HubSpot, like no one would be questioning whether HubSpot is a safe SaaS based product to, to buy. You know, maybe there are some smaller SaaS based companies that they would have some questions about, but you know, these large publicly traded companies that have been around for years and have, plenty of security and plenty of infrastructure to support their product. There's, there's not going to be any risk to any company that decides they want to go in any of those directions. So I would think we would want to give IT a break on this one and let them focus on big mission critical issues going forward. All right. I got a good question here from Phoebe in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Do companies ever outgrow these platforms when and then what? Wow. Good question. Yeah, it is a good question. Um, well, anecdotally, we've never had a client say we've outgrown HubSpot, not once in 10 years. So that's an interesting data point. Um, I do get a lot of, hey, we've been on act on for six years and we think we've outgrown it. And then I'll say, well, why? And then they're looking for certain, um, capabilities in the software that they can't get in a modest package like act on, which I think is $99 a month. I'm not sure. Um, I had a recent uh, uh, situation where a 25 person sales team thought they had outgrown Zoho. Um, but upon further investigation, they weren't using but 10% of the software. So I don't know why they thought they were outgrowing it. I mean, I would like do everything I possibly can first because ripping out software and putting a new one, no matter how easy or the best partner you have, it's still a pain in the butt. But I don't think that they really characterize that correctly. Um, I would say no. Now, the only thing I would put as an asterisk there is that some tools like HubSpot will, uh, will charge you for the more contacts you put in their database. So that is a bit of a 
challenge if you're a company growing quickly and you went from 50,000 people in your marketing contact database to 500,000 and your bill uh, you know, quadrupled or, or something like that. Then well, wouldn't it, that, that would mean they're doing a good job though, right? Look at all those new contacts they generated. It would, but then you might want to go on some enterprise level where the pricing would be the factor and not the actual flexibility of the tool. Um, but uh, HubSpot, please cover your ears. When that scenario happens, lots of times we'll go back to HubSpot and say, hey, we have an unusual customer with a very large database. Could you work out some better pricing or some interesting terms on that or something like that? So even that could be overcome. So I'm going to say that my answer is 95% of the time, no, you won't outgrow your software. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think you're going to outgrow your platform software. I think what we see people outgrowing are their point solution kludge that they put together. They outgrow that. They know that this is not the best way to do it. We also see people outgrowing their uh, custom software, right? Like we, we do see people who have someone built them a CRM and they built it 10 years ago and they've been kind of MacGyvering it ever since. And, you know, they're kind of getting tired of the paper clips and gum that they're using to keep it working. So yeah, I, I didn't think, think about that scenario, Mike. You're right. The the homespun software, yeah, you could definitely outgrow that. Yeah, and and I think I've even seen people maybe outgrow some industry tools too. Like we had a lot of people. We were we we had a run of uh, telecom companies, and they use a product called ConnectWise. They seemed like they kind of outgrew that. Also, they were looking for more features on the CRM side and 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 some marketing. I don't think it has any marketing. So. Um, I think it's more likely you would outgrow those tools than you would outgrow your platform. Eric's right. I can't think of a single client who, who moved from HubSpot to something because they got bigger. Um, I haven't had any Salesforce clients outgrow that. So, I, you know, and even the clients that are on other marketing platforms like, you know, Adobe or they, they don't really outgrow those. They may decide that they want to go in a different direction or they want to have the platform. So they leave a, a standalone product like that. But I really don't think Phoebe, you need to worry about outgrowing a platform that you choose, uh, especially if it's one of the ones we've been talking about today. I think you'll be good. All right. One more question. Let's see. Um, mm -hmm. Love the questions. Yeah. Let's see. This one is from Renee in Santa Monica. Um, just trying to see if we talk about this or not. What should we be looking for when comparing different tools like this? So it's a good question. So like, what would you say to someone who's looking at, so they're in, they're, 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 they want a platform, right? And it's down to HubSpot and Salesforce Cloud, right? So they're getting all the same tools. How, how do they decide which one of those is right for them? I don't think you would go wrong with either if, you had a good partner, and I don't mean this as like self-promotion, it's, it's a real big factor. If you had a good partner that helped you figure out which was better based upon your business activities, budget, manpower, person power, sorry, you gotta be right, right? Those kinds of things you have to kind of sift through. I, I don't think the tool itself really matters. But for example, if you said, hey, uh, I have five salespeople now, but we're getting our funding and we're going to move to 500 salespeople. To me, that just screams Salesforce because 
Salesforce leads with the CRM, where if you said to me, I'm looking to generate lots of leads online using software, well, like HubSpot leans into the marketer. So like uh, if you had a good agency, they would know the nuances of which software is better for which. And then I think that that would help you make that decision. But the tools itself, I don't think you could go wrong. You want to go Zoho, Act, SharpSpring, uh, they're all great tools. I'm not sure they're appropriate for each. It, it, you would know that they were appropriate for your industry. So I'm a doctor's office. Well, a doctor's office is different than a SaaS-based technology company selling something online. Well, what would be most appropriate for the doctor's office? Well, we have a lot of uh, interactions with our patients. Well, who has the best customer service desk tool? Well, maybe that's not HubSpot because doctor's office is like, overuse or overweight that part of the tool and maybe HubSpot isn't as strong with some extra modules. But if you went to a good partner who helped you assess that, they would help you cut the learning curve and avoid mistakes. Yeah, that's a good, that's good advice. And I like this question. I'll just add in here and then we'll wrap up the show today. There's so much online data on these companies. Like, yeah, Eric's right. The partner is going to be helpful. But I would also like literally in in a couple hours, you could do a ton of research that kind of evaluates, as our example, Salesforce versus HubSpot, right? You can go to Gartner, you can go to G2, you can go to, you know, there are a trust pilot. I mean, there's so many platforms that that try to look at these tools objectively. A lot of them use customer referrals in their ranking systems. So you're not really listening to the software company, you're not really listening to us. Look, maybe we have a, a leaning towards HubSpot. So, you know, you want a truly objective perspective, find a couple of these sites and see what they're saying about these tools. And in a lot of cases, they will let you know where, where they excel. Like in these industries, these tools are great. In these industries, these other tools over here are better, right? So I think with a little bit of work, you could try to find some really good objective data on all of your options from a platform perspective. And then I think it would be good to talk to a couple of the people, the, 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 the reps that uh, uh, work for these companies, ask them questions about your particular business. Um, you, you should talk to some partners, both HubSpot and Salesforce have very rich partner networks. Like I said earlier, I think whichever way you go, having a partner helping you is going to make the project much more successful in a much shorter time period. And you will see an ROI much faster than if you try to do it yourself, which by the way, it was the one question we didn't get to. So Dara from Huntsville, Alabama, get a partner and your ROI will be delivered much faster. I really appreciate everybody joining us. Eric, thanks for a great show. Uh, Everybody, check out the show. It'll be posted tomorrow on Square Two Marketing's YouTube channel. Like us, subscribe, leave a comment. We'll get back to you. Uh, all of our shows are available in podcast format on all your favorite podcast platforms. They will be up tomorrow morning as well. If you want to ask questions like Dara and Renee and Zach and Polly and Juan, go to our website and go to the bottom. There's a link, What's Wrong With Revenue? Click on it. And you'll be able to submit questions of which Eric and I are thrilled to answer them for you on the show every single Wednesday at four o'clock. And you can also subscribe to the show there and get notified when new shows are available. Don't forget to check us out, square2marketing.com backslash square2 plus P-L-U-S for our free streaming service with all of our audio and video content. You can subscribe there as well and get notified when we have new stuff posted. Thanks, everybody. It was great uh, talking to you all today. Have a great, West, uh, great rest of your week. 
and we'll talk to you next Wednesday at four. Thank you. See you later.